0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon. Welcome to a new episode of Best of Health Radio brought to you by Barb Regis, Ask the PA. It is May and it is Skin Awareness Month, basal cell, squamous cell, and melanoma. And many of you know that I am fighting melanoma as we speak. So all three of us in the studio today are wearing black in honor of those fighting melanoma, those that have lost their lives to melanoma, and for those that will possibly be um, diagnosed in the future. Anyway, it's such a pleasure for me today to bring on, first of all, in so many ways, this group of people here. I've got three three PAs in the room, three PAs. All of us went to one of the schools that now represents Arizona. One went to Midwestern, and that is Sarah Newman. And she is the owner of Ahwatukee Skin and Laser. And she was brave enough to open up a second practice called Sun City Dermatology less than a year ago. She is with one of her associates. Uh, I, I guess I'd have to call you the boss. One of um, <laughs> people that—her uh, name is Brittany— Casp chick, welcome Brittany. I am so excited to have you in the studio again. We have I'm the AT still grad, the oldest, 1997. And I believe Sarah, you graduated from Midwestern after that, 1999. And we've got a the newer. Then we got our baby PA right here. Go ahead. Brittany, when did you graduate?
1: 2017, but it feels like yesterday.
0: Okay, so even before we dive in on conversation, I want to give you a little background here. This is super exciting, Brittany and Sarah. How did you meet each other? Go for it, Sarah.
2: Um, I might be breaking. I was going to say we're HIPAA not breaking privacy policy. Okay. Um,
0: um. Sorry. Do you have? Do we have permission? Oh, you have hundred percent permission. There you yeah. go. Everybody, we're good.
2: I actually met Brittany and her family many mm-hmm. years ago as they mm-hmm. were patients in my previous clinic.
1: Wow. She yeah snatches up her patients and turns them into employees, <laughs> and I'm not the first. So. Really? Mm-hmm. And she won't be the last.
0: We're a family yeah. practice, most that- definitely. That- and your specialty is dermatology. It sure is. So basically, uh, what did you do when you were working uh, for Sarah? Initially as a patient and then
1: did some volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And then she transitioned that real quick into a full-time employee. So I saw I, the spark. Yes, she saw awesome. the spark. She directed me in the right path. And then I was a CNA mm-hmm. in her office doing some back office work for a
0: couple of years before I ended up going back to PA school. And you graduated PA school and then what happened?
1: Well, first I did a year of emergency medicine. Yeah, (laughs) you
0: resume. So that's
1: why and then we're gonna get to Sarah how you snatched her Uh back. She she actually said, Mark my words, Brittany, you're gonna be back in Durham. I did. You just wait. And I was like, You're no. She went to the
2: dark side for a bit.
1: Just for a minute, just for a brief year. Mm -hmm. That was Plenty, mm-hmm. and now I'm happy to say that I work derm full time, and I don't plan on transitioning to any specialty anytime soon besides that
0: one. So, Sarah, tell me how you uh, became a derm PA and also why you decided to uh, open up your own practices.
2: Derm PA is probably a really easy one for me. I struggled um, as a young adult and as a teenager with severe cystic scarring acne. And growing up on a farm in Wisconsin, you didn't really go to the dermatologist. You went to the doctor if you cut your finger off or you got caught in the combine, but you certainly didn't go for your acne. My mother always told me, put toothpaste on it. It'll go away. You'll grow out of it. You'll be fine. (laughs) So um, my passion for skin and skin health was really kind of born out of that. Um, so I decided after working in Central America for a few years, um, with the Pan American Health Organization, Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of cool skin stuff. Parasitic infections, gangrenous infections, um, malignant melanoma, and a lot of really cool diseases that I thought, you know what, this is where I should really be at. So I came back to the States, Arizona, sunny States. I thought dermatology is where it's at for me. Yes. And (laughs) um, yes, I got into PA school and started practice right away, knew that I had found my passion and my love for this career. There has not been a day in nearly 20 years that I have regretted that decision. I love what I do each and every day. I'm not approaching burnout. I'm ready to do this until I meet my maker.
0: Wow. (laughs) And now that kind of energy, no wonder you came back to the fold (laughs) and decided to go into dermatology. So basically, I understand that you're actually in a different clinic. So tell me about how that evolved. Well, I split my
1: time. Currently, 50-50 between Mm
0: -hmm. the two practices. But
1: coming from the west side, working in the emergency department, I told Sarah, I'm like, there's not a lot of dermatologists out here. And yet, the population for skin cancer is pretty much everybody that you would meet. And so, when we were discussing job opportunities and offices, she was already kind of scouting out areas. And I kind of nudged her in the direction that
0: pushed yeah nudged, pushed <laughs> signed it, it for worked, her. Right? yeah <laughs> so okay so basically what happened is it sounds to me like you're in awatuki which there are some seniors of course but mm-hmm. you're in the you were in the, mm. the retirement of the community retirement. of Arizona exactly yes, and I love Del it. web and mm. uh, and so basically you have a lot of seniors in your practice I I would, yeah. If I
1: see somebody under the age of 50, I like, I myself have a heart attack where I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, there's somebody here for acne. I I, I can't believe it. Yeah,
0: it it actually probably
1: excites you a little bit. It does because you don't get to use that muscle of derm very often. So it's nice to sprinkle in some youth every now and again.
0: So let's dive in a little bit. Um, It's May, Skin Cancer Awareness Month. What does that mean to you guys? When you hear that.
2: For me, it, it is hopefully an opportunity to create more public awareness. Right. Because unfortunately, skin cancer is one of the diseases and one of the cancers that I think people really underestimate the power right. that it can have in, and the impact it can have in your life. I think they hear mostly about basal cell. They think, oh, I have a little skin cancer. I'll cut it out. I'll be fine. But as you well know, melanoma kills an American every hour, every day, every day. Year.
0: Yeah, and the scary part about it is it's being diagnosed in younger and younger people. Correct. And not only those with sun exposures, but those with that genetic, with Correct. genetic codes and stuff like that. So that's what's scary. And also, peel squamous cell carcinoma is very serious as well. Right. That can metastasize. Correct. And uh, so we're dealing with cancers that people, when they hear skin cancer, unfortunately, what's their response to you when you give them the news in the office? And how, and how do they respond to you? To, Tell me a little bit, Brittany.
1: Well, in Sun City, it's usually not the first time that they've heard it before. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the majority of my patients are frequent flyers, if you will, finding spots pretty regularly that crop up on themselves. And usually the ones that I have are still actively taking care of themselves and attending doctor's appointments. And then you have the spectrum of people that don't. But for the most part, it's something they've heard before, but on occasion it ends up turning into a lengthier conversation that includes sure. treatment options and um, on occasion life expectancy and so right it can it
0: just depends. Yeah, it depends on what the diagnosis mm-hmm. and diagnosis is and, and and for yourself.
2: so we um, obviously we have the conversation nearly um, every or every right. other patient. I just sit down. I look them in the eyes. I create a real meaningful connection. Make sure that they feel my warmth, and I mm-hmm. just say, "Listen, I think you have a skin cancer today. Here's what we're going to do about it, and I'm here to help."
0: That's awesome. And so, so when we look at skin cancers, I want to dive a little bit into melanoma specifically, if you guys don't mind, only because, um, again, it's probably we know the deadliest. So, let's talk about detection of skin cancers. ABC. D E S. Who would like to elaborate on that?
2: So ABCDEs have been set forth for many, many years as a basic screening mechanism in the privacy of your own home. I always tell people, what is your birthday? Is it the 21st of May? Then on the 21st of every single month, get in your um, birthday suit, meaning you know, head to toe, no clothing, and look at yourself. Know what your spots look like. Look for changes, including... Asymmetrical, one half doesn't match the other. Border irregularity, looks like the shape of Texas. It's not round, it's not oval. Um, color change, it's different color chocolate chips. It's not just milk chocolate, it's dark chocolate, it's white chocolate. It might even have a little red, it might even have a little purple. Mm-hmm. Diameter, increasing in size, anything larger than the size of a pencil eraser is something that we want to pay a little bit more attention to. And then the last, which was added a few years ago, is evolving. Is it different? Does it, you know, not to go back to Sesame Street, but which one doesn't look like the others? So if you see any of those signs, please get into your local dermatology provider as quickly as you can. And (laughs) that...
0: Beautiful way to describe the ABCDEs. Thanks, and and you're absolutely right. You know, it's for breast cancer awareness. It's like check a lump every month, but for some reason we don't take skin cancers as seriously. Uh, But I think that's changing, Uh, Brittany. When when you're in practice and basically you see the typical ABCDEs, I'm sure you know you go ahead and meet criteria, you go ahead and biopsy. I had an interesting melanoma, and mine was really rare, and mine was amelanotic. And so for me, it didn't even look like melanoma. So how do you approach something that just looks odd? And and with me, like even when I went to PATH, like we didn't even think it was that. Mm -hmm. How do you approach those things?
1: So kind of what Sarah was saying with the word Mm -hmm. evolving, or my kind of rule of thumb is if I can't find a twin, to it and right. it's the only spot That's aw- of its kind. awesome way of looking at I w- it. I have a pretty low threshold when it comes to taking samples of things because the more I've biopsied things over time, the more I'm becoming a little bit aware of the abnormal ones and you really only know that once you take the sample and you set exactly. it in and you let the mm-hmm. dermatopathologist do the rest of the heavy lifting for you.
0: So how many patients uh, are into like, you know, just... Like I said, when, when you have a lump, you know, a, a lesion, you go ahead and uh, excise. it. how many patients fight shave biopsies for you and say, no, nah, I just want to watch it, that kind of thing? Or do you have more, more of your patients since they're older, they're like, ah, just take it?
1: They're just, they don't even want to think about it anymore. If they have a spot that needs to come out, they it want it out. Thank goodness for most of them are on Medicare. So they right. just, they're so used to having <laughs> amazing coverage that they're like, it's not going to cost me too but how-
0: much. But how about your younger patients? I mean, a lot of the younger patients, because for cosmetic reasons, Mm -hmm. they're like, I don't want to have a shave biopsy because I'm going to have a scar. How do you address that, Sarah?
2: So I do actually a a multidisciplinary approach. First of all, I talk about what are we watching and waiting for? If we wait six months, there's a good likelihood that that is going to change. And we've just allowed something to grow for six months. and We've lost that opportunity to get you treated early. So, I would say, I'm happy to take a photo of it. I'll do photo surveillance for you. But if it changes at all between now and three or four or six months from now, I expect you to come back in. I always talk about the team approach to healthcare. I'm a winner. I've always been wanting to be the best at what I've done. Right, exactly. So you're 50% of the equation as the patient. I'm the 50% as a provider, and I don't like to lose. So I need you on my team, and I need you to do your part. So if it changes, come back in. Know your body, and obviously work with your healthcare provider. If I have a patient that's giving me a lot of pushback about a cosmetically sensitive area, or it's a younger child, needle phobic, Fortunately, in um, 2019, we have a new adhesive biopsy test, and it basically is using RNA and DNA to check for the two proteins that are most commonly found in malignant melanoma. One is link, one is PRAME. Okay, and it has a 97 percent negative predictive value. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't know that test was that high. I didn't For know negative that, but, predictive right. value. And that's really what you want right, to know. Right, exactly. Positive, if it comes back positive, we're going to go back oh, exactly. in there and do a shave biopsy. You want to know with pretty good certainty, negative this predictive, fine. this is fine. Right. So I always use kind of the multidisciplinary approach. What does it look like? Has it changed? talk to the patient, educate them, and if they're still giving me pushback, I'm going to grab for an ad- adhesive biopsy.
0: Uh, is insurance covering that?
2: They do most times, and fortunately for us, the um, company has been very gracious to only charge the patient a maximum of 50 to to $100. That's true. If their insurance mm-hmm. denies it, or if they're self-pay, or if they're a patient in need, they can even do um, a, t- a titrated mm-hmm. down price as well.
0: So the point of this conversation is is that there's a lot of people out there sometimes just do not want to get caught. This is right. an option for you to think about. So there's no excuse not to go in and get it checked out. Right. Please, everybody, listen out there. Do not wait. The reason I'm saying that is because we're diagnosing melanomas in people very young. What's the youngest age that you have diagnosed a melanoma or even a squamous cell?
2: I've had a juvenile melanoma very early on in my career at age two.
0: Yes, hear that, everybody. Age two, and
2: it gives me chills sitting here and gets me super emotional. And and, and
0: I'm and I'm sorry about that. But the passion here is that we have to understand that with this form of skin cancer that is deadly, that it can affect all ages, right? Correct. And all skin colors. Let's talk about that a little bit more, Brittany.
1: Sure. So I think that. There's this misconception that, like, I'm really tan, and I've always tanned, so therefore I must not have any issues with the sun. Right. And I hear that so often. I have to lecture girls in college. Um, Sarah and I actually were just talking about the other day, ASU used to or maybe still does have a residency hall that has a tanning booth in the dorm. And I have a couple of those kids, and I have to like shake them and be like, Do you know each time you tan in that tanning booth, you're mm-hmm. increasing your risk of
0: melanoma by like 27 per, or 27, 27 times? Full? Yeah, 27, yeah. And it's it,
2: insane. I mean, just and I'd,
0: I'd read yeah. a statistic that actually, like, just one time, like yep. 75%. Correct. Is and that correct?
2: To, to be fair to ASU, it's actually not on the campus of it's ASU, it, okay. it's actually a privately held. Um, apartment community, and when I first learned that they had an on-site amenity, they called it, of a tanning bed, I may or may not have written them a letter every single month telling them that they're doing a huge disservice to our community, and how dare they.
0: Sarah, thank you. And that's that's another point, is that uh, there's a big movement in the country to start regulating these tanning beds. We need to do that as fast as possible, because, again— One exposure, folks, in a tanning bed. That's all it takes. And so we still have a lot of gyms with them, with people in there. I don't know what it is. It's like people just assume they're safe. But how much UV are they actually really getting each time? Do you know?
2: They're getting a ton of UV. It's Mm -hmm. like being up above um, like a pilot. Mm -hmm. It's high-intensity radiation that immediately with one use damages the DNA irreparably.
0: Okay, so... Word out there is tanning beds are bad, okay?
2: Not safe, not They're tangy. not
0: safe. I'm going to say they're bad. They're not safe, <laughs> they're bad. Tanning beds are bad, yes. they're not safe. And and really, get a movement in your states, all over the country here, to start addressing this issue. And honestly, I wish we could see them all just
2: eradicated,
0: eradicated and Throw them in the dump. hundred percent. Seriously. Yeah. I know I'm going to get some pushback because I know a couple of people that own tanning bed salons, but they'll have to get over it because yeah. they know how I feel. Right. And I'm glad you guys feel the same way. And the statistics are showing that. So there's a couple, um, there's, a, there's a supplement out there um, called Heliacare. Yes. Tell me about Heliacare and your take on Heliacare.
2: So HelioCare has been around for many, many years, and it's basically an antioxidant that you ingest that gives some immune support to DNA damage from UV rays. It's very controversial as Mm -hmm. if it actually provides any level of protection, but I guess I would say this. Any antioxidant that you ingest, whether you eat spinach or kale or you drink green juice or you eat an apple, antioxidants help to neutralize free radicals. UV damage creates free radicals. So It can't hurt you. Obviously, consult your PA and make sure that it doesn't have any contraindications. But I always tell patients, please go back to the basics Mm -hmm. of greater than 5% titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. That's your shield of armor. It's going to bounce the rays off and much, much safer for you than taking a pill that's an antioxidant. You still have to put on sunscreen. You still have to be safe and smart.
0: And let's talk about what sunscreens are best and safe. Let's start with uh, with you, Sarah.
2: Okay, so the FDA just came out with a warning. Um, there was a relatively small research study done on chemical sunscreens, most notably avobenzone and benzone And we have now begun to understand, and I've never supported chemical sunscreens, so let me say that um, as a caveat. Chemical sunscreens applied on the skin every two hours, as the manufacturer recommends, actually cause systemic toxicity and systemic absorption. So we always tell patients, please avoid chemical sunscreens Mm -hmm. because the FDA hasn't highly regulated them. So you want to go back to what we know is safe, which is micronized metals. You don't absorb them into your skin. They're your suit of armor. They stay on top of your skin and deflect nearly 100% of the rays if used properly.
0: And can you give a couple examples of of over-the-counters? Brittany?
1: I love, Ucerin has uh, one for the face, but it can be used for full body that has an SPF of 30 in it. Mm -hmm. Cream has a wonderful SPF. And these are all, you can find them at Mm -hmm. any Target, CVS. There's really no excuse to not have a sunscreen on you at all times because you can find them in gas stations now.
2: Some of my favorites, also Blue
1: Lizard. Mm. Blue Lizard for kids is amazing. One. There's yes, a lot of talk that one's about Blue amazing. Lizard because
2: it's, yep. it's an Australian sunscreen. To be quite frank, it goes on very thick; it's like mud. <laughs> but once you get the technique down, one ounce or one shot glass full is enough to coat your entire body. It should be put on before you put your swimming suit on and reapplied every two hours. I say physical chemical physical metal blockers first as primary prevention. Then you can reapply with spray.
0: Okay, so everybody out there, that's another take-home lesson. Is there any um, prescriptive sun uh, blocks that y'all recommend?
2: There are a couple of prescription sunblocks, but unfortunately, in this day and age of poor prescription coverage and high right. prescription cost, Blue Lizard, Neutrogena, Sensitive Skin, Eucerin, Vana Cream, La Roche Posay, Baby Ganics, those are going to be more cost-effective for you.
0: Okay, that is that is good news to hear. Did you notice uh, there are a lot of products that we're not going to list right there that were not mentioned that are very <laughs> common that almost everybody's using? Yes. So basically what you're saying here is, is that probably a huge majority, probably I would guess 90% of the population is using sunscreens that are not essentially safe for them. Is that the take-home message?
2: Yes, not only are they using not the highest quality sunscreen, they're also not using enough of it, right. and they're not reapplying. So okay. it takes a little bit more energy to keep yourself safe.
0: Okay. So let's talk about um, myth or truth <clears throat> about SPF. 30 compared to 100?
2: Depending on who you ask, 100 is going to give you a little bit more protection, but it's not 30 to 100. It's not three times more protection. So we say anything over um, SPF 30, if it has that greater than 5% titanium or zinc, is going to be adequate. Neutrogena 100 doesn't give you much better than Blue Lizard SPF 30.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so that's a that's another big take home message. I've had a lot of questions about sunscreens. People are very very confused about how the SPF. I don't blame them. It's changed. Like it, yeah. It is, yeah, it's you know it's crazy, and so it's important for us to again just be looking at our products, looking at the ingredients in our products, making sure that they meet those criteria, and uh, reapplying and reapplying. How about SPF clothing, Brittany? Oh, I'm a huge fan. How many years ago was
1: it that they came out with that tablet that you could drop into your clothes that made all of your clothes SPF? That was really big for a while, and I was obsessed with just putting what, a tab in. What's, what's it called? Juno? You know? Oh, gosh. I'm totally blanking on the name. I'll, uh, I'll look it up here in a second. Obviously, but I'm a fan of it, especially mm-hmm. for people who are going to garden, who are going to be—you can't Surfing. stop them from going out on their boat and so you, even no, you though can't. you can't, and that's okay. I mean, we live in a wonderful state where you should be able to enjoy the outdoors, but you, it comes with a price. And then if you're not going to be responsible and and take care of your skin during your outdoor activities, then there's
2: consequences. There's
1: consequences. But I love SPF clothing. I wish more people would
2: well, utilize
1: it.
0: With, usually you'll see me in SPF clothing Perfect, yeah. Perfect. Um, almost 99% of the time you see me the hardest part for me right now is just the summer getting into my car where it's 120 oh, degrees <laughs> like my current job I don't have Covered parking, so oh, it's God. one of those oh, things gosh. where it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of brutal, but you're right. Um, the clothing, a lot of the brands that are out there are very comfortable, you know, and yeah. I'm going to pitch a couple. Like, I think uh, Columbia makes some good ones. REI yeah. does. Um, there's a brand that's really popular online. I'm trying to think some of it. Exactly, mm-hmm. and who else?
2: Um, there's one out of Minnesota called Sunday Afternoons. Oh, oh, I, I would check that one a out. Cute name. It's great. Yeah. Patagonia has some?
0: Yep, yeah, Patagonia is great too.
2: Expensive, but great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, but hopefully what'll happen is more and more people will be producing and uh, bringing the prices down and, and and things like that. So let's let's go back a little bit more to um, you know, skin cancers and melanoma. There is a test out there um that a lot of dermatologists will do when patients are diagnosed with melanoma. It's called the Castle test and there's a lot of debate out there and I would like for both of you to kind of give your input and your thoughts on the Castle testing if you don't mind. There's a lot of people that I know personally um, that are confused about that.
2: Even as providers we can be confused because it depends on who you've chatted with, what expert you're talking to, and what source you're looking at. I go back, um, really, to my foundational understanding that knowledge is power.
0: Hence, my book there: uh, <laughs> "Surviving the <laughs> Business of uh, Healthcare." Knowledge is power, and and I didn't ask Sarah to say that. No. Okay,
2: sorry. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't, but it's right here, right. 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 Sarah? I, I'm so glad. Kindred I met spirits, you Brittany. Kindred. This is awesome. yeah. Keep going. Okay, so I always say, if the patient is someone that I think will utilize the information. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't create either a false sense of hope or a right. false sense of panic, which it can, I have the conversation that I think that they should be tested. Um, obviously, it's a very expensive test, so we need to make sure that there is good insurance coverage for it. We work very closely with our hematology oncology mm-hmm. um, colleagues. We have great relationships with our oncologists. We talk to them multiple times every single day. Right, And we also work with the T.W. Lewis Melanoma Center at BAN. They have a lot of kind of not groundbreaking, but they have a lot of resources dedicated to the diagnosis of melanoma, the treatment of melanoma, castle testing. It, they don't use the adhesive biopsy, but they have really a, a collaborative team. That if we think we're going to do castle testing, we usually involve them because there's a social worker, there's a right. psychologist, there's a surgeon. So if we talk about a sentinel lymph node biopsy, we have everyone right there to make sure that the the conversation is as gentle and informative as possible.
0: So Brittany, can you just kind of tell us a little background on what exactly the castle test is? Okay. Uh,
2: I mean,
1: I'm familiar with it. I personally have not used it. I have had actually one patient the other day that I'm considering sending out for some genetic testing because Mm -hmm. I'm not able to keep up with the sheer amount of melanomas that he's been making. And we need to kind of figure out why that is. But I would actually love to learn a little bit more.
2: I'd love to hear. Did you have it?
0: Uh, well, you know, it's, it's it's basically a test. Yes, I did have it. Okay, great. And basically what is it is, it's a test to see for this. They look at the genetic code of this particular melanoma, and then what happens is they uh, make a determination of uh, the percent uh, risk
2: of right. reoccurrence
0: of that particular melanoma. It goes 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. If you're a 1A, the risk of it coming back is less than... It, you have a 97% risk of it not coming back. If you're... To be like myself, you have about one-third chance or above that it's going to come back.
2: Within five years. Within
0: five years. Wow. So that'll help give a determination of whether or not, you know, you should be doing, you know, um, you know more for checks and stuff like mm-hmm. that and sentinel node biopsies. So my oncologist, he was like, you know, hem and hot about it. He was like, you know, no matter what with yours, once we got the path back, it's like we're going to get the sentinel node bi- biopsy. Right. And what happened was I had it. Had uh, three nodes taken. Uh, the first one was microscopic. Second one was microscopic. Third was clear. The first one was actually mid mid arm and mm-hmm. then back, and so it was one of those things where I cr- I qualified at that point mm-hmm. for for immunotherapy called Optivo. Right. But the Castle testing, which is really interesting for me, is that I hope it becomes cost effective only because I think if everybody gets that test at least we're going to know for those 1A's and those 1B's, okay? And what we're talking about is stage right now. Not the castle mm-hmm. test itself, we're talking about stage, you know, stage 1, stage 2, stage 3, stage 4. 4 we got metastatic to organs. 2 we got metastatic to the 3 we've uh to, you know, lymph nodes. 2 it's 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 a certain depth and and it could have started seeding and one it's pretty much you know um still been a a yeah, layer ep- mm-hmm. en- ep- yeah encapsulated it hasn't begun to spread correct so i think for everybody my take is, is the more inf- i'm not just 100% so for me knowing that my Castle test is 2b knowing that i have a you know a, a chance of it recurring within 5 years when i was given the opportunity for the devo, i grabbed it because it was my best shot to teach my immune system to recognize that right. cancer and destroy that cancer. And hopefully that's what, what our outcome's going to be. But it is, it's very scary. I know of a lot of patients that are like 1A, 1B, and they don't have any information. They don't know if this was a wild type. They don't know if it's BRAF positive. They don't know if it's BRAF negative. And it's really, really, really scary, these patients. And so, yeah, you're right with Castle testing. It's kind of like you know, knowledge is power. I, I, that's why, I, in my opinion, I hope it becomes affordable.
2: I would totally agree. I will say, uh, obviously, because we're all PAs in this room, right? I will tell you at our practice, there's a much larger conversation about mm-hmm. teaching the patient about their melanoma type, and we are much more likely to order imaging than some of our mm-hmm. physician colleagues. Yeah. And We have great physicians at our clinic, but I think we're just paying a little bit more attention because we've got long-term relationships with these clients. Mm-hmm. We consider them family and we treat them as if they were our mother, our brother, our sister, exactly. our father. So get a chest x-ray. If you think that there's concern for you know lymph node involvement, get a PET scan. The, right. it, early intervention is key. We both know that. So doing a chest x-ray, the little amount of radiation that they're exposed to is far worth it to catch something earlier.
0: Yeah. So again... Knowledge is power. Brittany you know you have you have a great mentor right here oh absolutely this is this is exciting and and as you are you know as you are in practice and you're seeing more and more of these kinds of cases it's so cool that the two of you can bounce cases off each mm-hmm. other all the time and then make those those thoughtful mindful decisions of do we do cast do we not do we right. refer to oncology do we not that's the other thing is like some people when they're stage 1a it's one and it depends on the depth and stuff like that 0 point uh, seven eight you know we decide mm-hmm. you know are we going to refer on, we're not going to refer on. It's very confusing. And then there's some people that are very conservative practitioners or some that are very aggressive practitioners. I'm grateful that I'm a little bit more of an aggressive practitioner. I'm like, no, we're not going to watch weight because this could kill you. And still, every time I hear from people out on the street, well, you just have skin cancer, I go, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. It's like, you know, I tell people like every day that I Feel good and and I was lucky because with the Optivo, it really didn't affect me a lot, except for like minor symptoms like body aches and sure. some fatigue and stuff like that. I was given a gift, right? Yes, because I hit that stage. So can you um just just uh make sure that I got all the information out there right? Just basically, um when we stage, you know, based on the stages, you're going to order different tests. So right. when you mentioned the ch- chest X-ray, typically that would be your patient with a
2: stage of. I'm doing it at two plus.
0: Two plus. Okay. All right. And then those that are being referred to oncology, we're... get eight. 0.8. Okay. Yep. Exactly.
2: Any point. depth greater than point 0.8 millimeters, anybody who's had multiple melanomas, anyone who has a suspect genetic syndrome, Right. Um, or anyone that we just consider as high risk and or immunocompromised.
0: Perfect. Oh, I love your practice. You guys are
2: <laughs> Come That's on awesome. over. Hey, hey, you know, so... What we're
0: doing again, early detection is the key. Sounds like you guys have some great relationships with uh, you know, your practitioners, your oncologists, your uh, your go-to people. PET scans. Um, okay, here's the other question. Is that uh, what are you finding? Is that are you getting um your are your oncologists recommending PET scans or are they doing a lot of CT scans?
2: Depends typically mm-hmm. what the insurance is willing to cover.
0: There you go. Let's um. talk about
2: that a little bit, guys. Oh,
0: gosh. Come on, we let's don't get have into enough it. Time. Yeah. We don't. Well, another day, but just that's your next book.
2: Yeah. Right, that's your next book. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk a little bit about that, but. Um. So insurance companies obviously don't know who the patient is. They're making decisions based on an algorithm that has no heart and soul, and it's based on cost-effectiveness, let's be real. Right. So we advocate for our patients very frequently. I literally will do one appeal on a denial, and then I say I'd like to speak to the medical director because I need to have a conversation with A, someone who is my peer, B, someone who I can actually talk my lingo to, and three, they need to hear my plea for this patient's health and well being. And typically it's a two to five minute conversation and it ends with approved.
0: Good for you. Well, you know what I do is I always I always turn around and go, if this is your family member, what right. would you want? Right. And then the other thing I say is, and your name would be and your license number would Correct. be because guess what? If they come back, I'm going to help them find an attorney. 100%. We're going to go after you.
2: Right. And I've
0: had to do that a couple of times when I've been denied. Not I'm like, chills. yeah, you know, it's seriously, you just have to. And it's sad that we've gotten to that point Um. in practice. And that's what I'm telling people. It's like sometimes, Um. Yeah. You know, I'm an advocate for patients just like you guys. I mean, big right. time. And that's why I think we're, I'm loving this conversation. I'm an advocate for providers too. Right. And I'm an advocate somewhat for the insurance companies. There's certain situations where I get what they're doing, but for the most part, it's like, you know, if we can do a PET scan and we get more information, we need to detect things earlier, why are we not doing that? Especially, I was excited. I, I need to share this with you. So I went for my PET scan yesterday, and I am... A patient Doctor Kalmati. I love Doctor Um We talk he, to him daily. Yeah, he he and I uh, <laughs> we have our moments, but you know, I he's just so aggressive. He gets it. He really, really, really. I told him, I said, "You better keep me around at least twenty or thirty years." Do, you you <laughs> know, you need to do that.
2: And he's up for the challenge. Oh, he is. Oh yeah, oh, he's definitely. all in. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and it's nice because we text back and forth, and it's it's fun to work with Doctor Kalmati. He's he's a rock star, people. Um, and he's at Ironwood, and and you and he's our. Our go-to guy. He's our go-to guy. Is he? Yes. I love him. Well, anyway, they got a new pet scanner, and they got a Siemens uh, – it's a Horizon, and they've only had it for, like, three weeks. So I kind of wondered, like, why my pet scan was delayed. I know why now. I went in there yesterday, and Chris took great care of me over at Ironwood over in Chandler, and basically I got to go in the new scanner. Now, here's the deal with the new scanner. Less uh, radioactive dye going in Hmm. and tracers – it used to be and 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 oh man, I wish I had you know the, the physicist and the engineer and all these people here, but it used to be like uh, twelve and now it's down to eight. And, yes. and 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 so that's something. You only go through the PET CT once, so you're getting half the radiation that you were getting before when you went through and back. Right. So now I'm really interested in insurance companies. Like maybe you should incentivize people to get these new scanners because A You know, the when you look at the – I can't wait to see my results because when you look at uh, the images, it's 200% – they said 200% CRISPR so they can actually see metabolic
1: intake and Mm -hmm. changes.
0: So they're going to be able to, for the first time on a lung cancer, basically say, hey, guess what? There's no metabolic activity. We're fine, and we're not going to have to be doing biopsies and stuff like this, unnecessary testing. So in the long run, insurance companies and all of our providers out there – Let's look long-term over this. Let's not get so wrapped up in you know uh, saving a buck here because you know what? You
2: save a buck here, I can tell you down the road, you're going to be spending a lot more money, right? Absolutely true. It's about um, early intervention and prevention. Exactly. Spend the money up front. I used to always say when I first got into practice, why does XYZ insurance not cover a chemical peel for the destruction of precancerous lesions? If you don't let me do this in one to three years, it's going to be a squamous cell, and it's going to cost you three times more than if you had just covered the chemical peel. So you're right. Trying to use modalities that reduce risk and and have earlier uh, warning signs like an enhanced PET CT or right. a CASEL test or a adhesive biopsy, we need to make this part of our daily practice regardless of what the insurance says and be the advocate for the patient.
0: <sighs> Sarah, Sarah, right. you're right. Brittany, I'm telling you, you've you are in an amazing practice right here because you know oh, what yeah. she's advocating and telling you guys. You know, as the owner of these practices, like fight, fight, fight for your patients. It's all about the patient. And I've always said, if it's if you take care of your patients, everything else will follow. Right. Your reputation and and practices, it's, it's it all comes together. Right. Wow, you know, how do you? How do you segue into the next one? I pretty easy, chemical peels. To be honest with you, you know, you you hit me chemical peels for example. Um, let's talk about um, some of the other f- things that you guys do in your practice. I mean, obviously, you're practicing great dermatology. You're you're
2: taking care of that, but you also are doing some great. Um, you know, uh, cosmetics? We do um, primarily medical dermatology. So, we're Medical. About, we're 70% medical dermatology. Okay. So we are skin cancer, hair loss, right. acne. We're a psoriasis treatment center. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of autoimmune diseases that affect the skin. Right. 30% of the time, we're having a little bit of fun with some cosmetic enhancements. We're here to enhance your natural beauty if you would like to... Um, have duck lips or have your eyebrows in the middle of your forehead, we are not the practice for you. Um, We are here to improve your skin health and enhance your own beauty but not make you look entirely different. So we do some Botox. We do some chemical peels. We do fillers, hyaluronic acid mostly. Mm -hmm. We do laser resurfacing. We do um, waxing. We do facials. We do blue light acne therapy. We do personalized skin care regimens. We do color matching for mineral makeup. Mm-hmm. So there's not much that has to do with the skin, hair, or nails that we cannot assist you with.
0: Can you tell me more about the, actually, the blue light acne therapy?
2: So have you ever had a chemical peel known as levulon?
0: I've heard of it.
2: Okay, so a levulon treatment is amino-levulonic acid. It's a protein-derived acid that seeks and destroys atypical skin cells known as the atypical keratinocyte. Mm-hmm. That's what leads to a skin cancer known as squamous cell. Right. So, with that amino acid, we use a blue light mm-hmm. wavelength, which is non-UV energy. It's about 460 nanometers um, on the visible light spectrum. Right. And actually, it's anti-inflammatory. It's antimicrobial. So, if you've ever seen the really cool doctor shows where they bring the light in after a surgery to kill all the microbes mm-hmm. and they flash it, it's right. called, this is um, on the same um, concept of that. So it reduces inflammation, it kills bacteria, and it improves scarring. So anybody that wants to avoid oral antibiotic therapy or they've tried um, so many different topicals and they're still struggling with acne, it's a great alternative treatment. They do two sessions a week for four weeks and they have clearance for months.
0: That's great. And it doesn't hurt. And preventing cancers And at it the same helps time.
2: If we add the acid in, right. it actually reduces risk by over 70% for the next three years. Three years, really? Yes. Now, you have to take seven to 10 days off of work. It's not the most fun thing you're ever going to do. Um, but I say no pain, no gain and suck it up.
1: Yeah, my mom, we just did like oh, we a. We did. Yeah. So, yeah, my let's mom. Check,
2: let's talk about that. Yeah. So, the
1: other day, we had uh, a couple people come in for like a training for some of our new Your employees. Staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I volunteered my mom because I thought, well, what better than a native Arizonan woman? Blonde hair, blonde, blue blonde, eyes. Loves mm-hmm. to garden and has got her first basil cell like in her early 30s. So, okay. she was. Over me- 15,
2: over 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. So, she was. I personally knew that she needed it, but it took a little bit of convincing because the weather's still been so great and right. she wants to keep doing all of her outdoor activities. But, man, did that take years off of her face. She, she looks great. She, Yeah, she's on her way to getting back to her regular Skincare. skin and texture and whatnot because it is like giving yourself a chemically induced chemical peel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and here's the thing what people don't – sorry, Brittany. Well, you're fine. Here's what they don't realize majority of premature aging is sun damage. Right. So if you're actually treating sun damage, it's not about beautification or vanity. It's about reducing risk and enhancing your skin health, which in turn makes you look better. Yeah, that's how I sold it to her. Right.
0: <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. she's going— She'll and, thank me
1: later. Yeah, she, yeah she I'm just right waiting she, for it, but it yeah. hasn't happened well,
0: yet. Well, you know, it takes time that's sometimes. That's okay. So. I know what's best. Well, you know, again— <laughs> What is the largest organ of the body? Exactly. The skin. Good question, Barb. Well, thank you. <laughs> We're all going to so, pass our boards. And, and so, exactly. <laughs> well, I've taken mine a few yeah, times. Yeah. So you can't wait. So you're lucky. You're, are, you, are you into the 10-year cycle? I am the
1: 10-year cycle. Oh, aren't you Cha-ching. lucky? It, that's,
0: you know, yeah,
1: really. But let's talk about the CMEs, the 100 CMEs you have to do every right. two years. Right. So, thank goodness for up-to-date. I'm i send them
2: to exactly those right. Yeah. I send them to the staff nearly nightly. Like, listen, if you don't do one or two yeah. A night, you're or never going to make up. it. I yeah. know.
0: And in our profession as PAs, we actually have to do more CMEs than any other profession to my understanding. A hundred percent True. Yeah, I mean, and so. It takes work. It does. It does. I kind
1: of like it, though. It I keeps, like it. Me, keeps up me up me to active. date. Yeah, she sends us, like, Sarah sends us probably four articles That's every awesome. no, Every morning. I wake up and I check my work email and I'm like, sh- I don't know when she had time to go on Medscape for like three hours. But
2: but I've learned there's a timing feature. I used to send him at okay. like, oh, <laughs> how how them, like, how does that work? <laughs> okay. I used to put it at, okay. like, 1230 at night, Oh my! Gosh. 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. And the staff would come in in the morning and they'd be like, what did you do all night? Well, they knew what I was doing because I was sending them Medscape articles. Oh. So now I just set them to all go off at 7.58. And they get all it. the emails at 7.58 so that I Neat. don't.
1: Yeah, she's like sitting next to me sending me emails.
2: Oh,
0: my God. Oh, you guys have a lot of fun in your practice, we do. don't you? We really do. We oh, that's good because, you know, we spend more time in our practices and with our, you know— and with our patients and our, our coworkers and our, you know, that you better all get along or right. it gets a little brutal, and especially right. in medicine right now. What breaks my heart is, you know, t- having these discussions with a PAs like in family practice and such and and a lot of different fields where they're just spending so many hours every day just trying to get their notes done. And, right. you know, they're questioning, like, you know, why the heck did I do this and that kind of right. thing. But I can tell, Brittany, like, you just, like, totally love your dermatology job. I do. And and I'm so glad that you made the switch to derm because your patients are really lucky to have you. Oh, you're sweet. No, oh, it's true. Yeah, you, know, you, you tell you get well, the energy.
1: I, I'm lucky enough to work in an office where by the time I get to see them, they're already – just happy to meet me right. or to see me again. And so that starts from the moment you walk in to the, you know, all the way up until when they leave. And right. We try and make try it. Try to
0: have a really good patient experience. Yeah, experience
2: because it takes, you know, it once. Takes a village. To, yeah, it takes we a had, village. Yeah. And people are fearful. We had a patient last week. And if you ever come to our practice, come see it. I, I know exactly I would, where
0: you are. You're by the hub.
2: I am by yeah. the hub. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> hey, everybody at the hub. Yep, yeah. I know exactly where you are. Um, so come on over. But you yeah. know, they just
0: moved. I heard that they yeah. just moved um, um,
2: to a different location. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you um, later where they're at. Um, so <laughs> we, just had, we just had a um, new patient come into the practice last week. Right. And if you come into our practice, we literally are all having fun. We're nice. Nobody's upset. Nobody's crabby. Nobody's snarky. And the patient after his visit said, is this always like this? And I said, I'm sorry, sir, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what you're referring to. He's like, Linda was hilarious. She's our director of first impressions at the front desk. Nice. And she's got a joke for every scenario, most of them appropriate. Yep. <laughs> um, and then to our back office staff and the provider and closing it out with our front office team, we are all genuinely happy to be there and we're having a good time. We always say quality care with a personal touch. I think that makes us different. I do. And so come on over and check out the Awatuki skin uh, feel in our office, and I guarantee you it will be unlike any other you've experienced, most likely in dermatology in the Valley.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. And I bet you're having some fun in Sun City, especially with some of your elderly patients.
1: Oh, my gosh. They're so cute. I'm obsessed with that. I mean, not that I ever run behind, but if I were to run behind, they aren't going to say one bad thing they're just no. happy to be in the doctor's office
2: like getting treated they come and eat the candy and drink yes. the coffee even if they don't have an appointment because they just want to see britney they're like hey Brittany." i do have a couple of people who yeah. come and just like bring
1: their dogs in to meet me see i that, mean is that see, not the cutest and, and see, thing that's, you've ever heard that's of
0: what it's about and and that's what gives me hope in medicine because there's practices like yours and i really pride uh the relationship I have with my patients. Like I have an open door policy. I actually work uh, on site at inside enterprises for premise health. And basically um, we, we have, you know, epic EMR and we got mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles and everything like that. But I still have a clinic where when you walk in, I can tell you right now, we know who you are. Right. We know where you probably were a couple weeks ago and they love it. You know, my receptionist is Kimberly. Like as soon as, Hey John, blah, 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 blah. How's blah, 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 blah. That's the way it should be connecting with your patients. And, and cause they're, The last place they want to be is, especially with us, you know, with with healthcare providers. And there's so many healthcare providers out there right now that are feeling the lack of energy, that are tired, that are beat up, burnt out. And so when I hear about the energy you guys have in your practice, congratulations, kudos. I mean, I'm so excited about what you're doing. And the fact that it PA owned, uh, we're going to dive really quick into the profession a little bit. First of all, We are physician assistants. We practice in collaboration with physicians. We are moving towards a little bit more of an independent model, I believe. I think that's fair to say everybody. And we are looking at a new name associated with instead of assistant because the whole idea is you assist the physician. Well I get news for you. We don't assist the physician. We work in collaboration. We're a big team. All of us are a team. And I right. love my collaborative physician Cliff. I love you. Um and thank you for all his support. But what do you guys think about the name change?
2: I'm all for creating awareness around mm-hmm. what we actually do. do. But I have lots of patients who just call me Sarah. It doesn't right. have to be PA Sarah. It's not Dr. Sarah and if they say it I correct them. Me too. So I, I'm not a huge hugely political individual right. about the name change but I would support anything that gives us more credibility in the, on the healthcare team.
0: Right, right. And and that's the thing I think that makes us difference is per- is like, I've always been a first name person. Mm-hmm. And I do, I correct right away. I go, I'm not a doctor. I'm a PA and I'm very proud of my, right. poset, my profession. And uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I just know there's a lot of movement. I know um, a lot of physicians these days don't really want to spend a lot of time in collaboration because they're so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm going to get one a little political on this one. And it's tough for our profession right now because like when you're dealing um, when you have jobs for advanced practitioners and you have nurse practitioners and you have PAs, uh, it's unfortunate. There's some practices I know that are starting to lean, lean towards MPs and no and N- MPs are amazing. But the training is just different. We're trained under the medical model, and the MPS are trained under the nursing model, and there is a difference, everybody. 100%. And you know, and and in any profession, again, it, there's great providers, there's not so great providers. You have to find that match that you feel comfortable with. But I think in in our profession, it's it's just been interesting because we don't have the power of numbers too, and so we can't lobby Washington D.C. like the nurses can because there's like millions of nurses and how many pas are there in the country like what do we have
2: I don't even know the oh, a fraction stats, in but in I know that it's exactly. yeah, I mean, it's like what,
0: what it's less than hundred thousand pas right so it's hard for us to have you know have change I bet you we're probably like 80 90 thousand now we're getting stronger you know I And so it's a really interesting time that our profession is going through. And I think, Sarah, you and I have been in practice a little bit longer, and we've kind of, we've worked from the trenches to get where we are. And yes, everybody, PAs can own practices. That's exciting. PAs can go into their own business. Sarah has proven that. She's mentored Brittany over here from patient to CNA to going to school to now essentially entrust i gotta say she's probably she's entrusting my, you, she's my run, boss yeah she, well <laughs> she's entrusting you to run her son uh, Yeah, uh, i get your That's sun his, city yes. office so what's happening is look at where you've where you've come through the trenches in your life and what you potentially going to be able to do with the sun city office bravo for you guys it's exciting um tell me any what's
2: what's your plan for expansion Oh, my gosh, my staff is going to freak if they hear this. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy, but I'm yeah. just curious. Well, here's the thing. If you know one thing about me, I don't sit idle very long. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about helping others in any shape or form. So what's what's the plan for expansion? More offices where we help others. So right. expansion across the valley, up north, down south, mm-hmm. east, and west. Nice. So within the next five years, we will be at least five offices strong.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. That is that is quite the endeavor uh-huh. for sure. As somebody like who I owned a couple of practices and no longer own practices, doing some other things, um, I really admire, uh, you know, the ability to be able to practice because it sounds like you're practicing almost full time along with running the office. Oh, I practice full time. Five days plus. a week. Oh, I'm this the only lady. person
2: in my practice that works five days a week. Really? Everybody else works for because they have families and they have children and they have lives. Right. And I think that that greatly reduces provider burnout. Um, I, myself, I own the practice. I like to rock and roll five days a week, sometimes six. Mm -hmm. Um, So that rule doesn't apply to me.
0: (laughs) There you go. And, you know, as the owner, that's the thing that I admire about what you just said is I think we have to walk it as well as talk it. And you can talk it all you want, but if you're not walking it, and I can tell you go into Sarah's office, like, she's not afraid to do anything. It's like in my office, um, I'm the same way. It's like, you know what, Um, if I need to go...
2: Clean the bathroom. I'll go clean the bathroom, it. and
0: then I, I in, do it in my own practice. I used to be the janitor service and everything else, just the way it was. You so know, so
2: Wednesdays, Wednesdays are spackle and paint Wednesdays in my office. Oh, dude. so, so you I touch up. I I cannot stand any scratch or nick, and so I will walk around in my five inch heels with my paintbrush and my spackle. That's uh, you know, no joke. Uh, a true story, and, and, and,
0: and you know what? it's interesting. I didn't do it that often, mm-hmm. but every six months I used to go in, and the first thing that I every office I got to design. One two three four offices, right? And I love chair rails. I mean, I would go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we're deviating. This is fun, you know. I, I, you know, chair rails because the pain would get all mixed up. Right. But the point is, is that what I, what I'm hearing here is like, you know, there's there's somebody. Out there, her name is Sarah. She has an amazing employee called Brittany. They take great pride in their workspace. They take great pride in what they're doing for patient care. They are aggressive in what they do with skin. Skin. They're not afraid to go to the insurances and get what they need. This is what's out there, folks. These conversations give hope. There's other Sarahs out there. I know there are, and. These are the people we all need to start connecting, and we all need to start helping our fellow providers feel hope. Right. Because a lot don't.
2: So we always t- try and tell patients, and Brittany and I were just talking about it a little bit um, before we had came up to the studio. We want patients to be advocates advocates for themselves. If you're not happy in the practice where you're at, if you don't feel like they're doing the right thing for you, ask questions, ask for a second opinion, Exactly. try another practice because it truly is a relationship that will span your entire life. So be comfortable where you're at. And if you're not, go someplace else. Exactly. Just like providers, if you're not happy where you're working, if you're burned out, if you're not excited to see that patient at 8 a.m. on Monday, do something about it. Because the minute you're approaching burnout is when you're going to hurt somebody. Exactly. You come into our practice and all of our providers, NPs, PAs, doctors, surgeons, we're eating lunch together, Mm -hmm. we're taking a walk around the block. We are spending quality time away from work as well as trying to bond. If you hear our conversations at lunch, it's all tumor board discussing cases. It's a collaborative effort. So you want providers to be in an atmosphere where they feel that they're supported. They feel that they're, they're energetic. Alone. They're not alone in the middle of, you know, Safford, Arizona with nobody to talk to mm-hmm. and nobody to bounce it off because to air is human. So to have these clinical conversations in a setting where it allows that is really important for daily quality of life. For all of us. Exactly.
0: Well, Brittany, give me a final thought.
2: This has been quite
1: an experience. I've enjoyed this a good. lot. Yeah. You have a we're great gonna, radio voice, we're Brittany. Gonna know th- I, know, I have to face for radio. We're, we're gonna,
0: we're, we're gonna, I'm telling you, we're going to have you guys <laughs> back. I got uh, yeah, some ideas already. I really liked it. Good. I'm glad. And thank you for joining yeah. us today. Um, I am so excited for you and your career and, and what's going to happen it feels moving so forward. so early
1: on in all of it. I'm excited. Oh,
0: and I want to hear when your mom finally tells you thank you. <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. I'll, I'll send you the photo of when it's all Will you, will and you done. do that? I actually I have some photos I'll show you after. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited about that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah.
2: Sarah, final words. Get your skin checked, know your body, and when in doubt, check it out. Ditto. Well... You know That's what? Midwestern. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and from three schools represented here, AT Still, Midwestern, and NAU, Ooh. this is Bar Regis, Ask the PA. Um, this is Best of Health Radio. Remember, uh, we're here for you uh on my website, askthepa.com. Feel free to reach out to me also on Facebook, also Instagram, also on LinkedIn. If you have a question, I'm going to give you an answer. If I don't have the answer, I'll find out the answer for you. It's all about best of health advocacy for everyone. Again, I so agree with the comment that you need to advocate for yourself. Medicine is a partnership. It's a partnership and a trust. And there are a lot of us out there that care. You just need to find us. Well... That's a wrap. Let's uh, close it down and uh, thanks again for joining us. Again, one more um, kudos to Awatuki Skin and Laser and Sun City Dermatology. Thanks you guys for joining and I hope to have you back again. Thank Thank you. you.